This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome along to Sand Talk, the beach soccer podcast. My name is Mark Pendergast. My name's Matt Mills. And I tell you what, I couldn't be further from the beach here, Matt. You're located, obviously, away from me. We do this separately. I'm looking out over a building site in Hayes, which is round about 1.5 kilometres from Heathrow Airport. It's raining and it's muddy. And I'm kind of, I close my eyes, I can't imagine what a beach looks like, but it, it, it seems like a, a distant memory at the moment. What about yourself? Where are you? Yeah, well, it's pretty much the same story where I am, Mark. I'm on a farm in the north of England. Also very muddy, also very rainy, and uh, not very beachy. <laughs> so our aim today is to bring a bit of the beach, the essence of beach soccer, to you, no matter where you are. On today's show, we'll be speaking to Nick Pereira, USA International, who'll give us an amazing insight into what makes a top coach. He's worked with Del Duca of Italy, and he gives us his secret ingredient. And all the news of the week starting off in Dubai. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Well, at least two events in Dubai next year, because we're going to be treated to not one, but two editions of the Intercontinental Cup. The world's biggest teams are going to be heading back to Kite Beach, so we're all really looking forward to that. Finally, a bit of good news, Mark. UAE national team, of course, will feature in that one. They've been training hard. I have seen the facilities they've got in Dubai. The FA headquarters has pitches, as you would imagine, the grass pitches for the national team and the under-21s, etc. But they do have beach soccer facilities there as well. And they've been working hard during this lockdown, trying to hone their skills for next year. Well, yeah, they did incredibly well last year because they, they finished third. I think it was the second time they finished third in the competition. But, you know, they they really, really impressed. Yep, I think we need to get somebody from the team on this podcast to uh, discuss their plans for the future and how they're preparing for these Intercontinental Cups and, of course, a big, big future for the UAE. And when you talk about countries taking it seriously, there's none more so than Iran, a massive beach soccer nation and the only place in the world as well that has like a full-time eight months of the year league. And the league came to a conclusion recently when Paz Janubi Boshir won their seventh title. Hopefully we might be able to see them in future club tournaments, such as the World Winners' Cup. And big news in Russian club beach soccer. To Moscow for this bit of news, where Anton Shkarin has been named as the Spartak coach. So is that him permanently on the sidelines, or are we still going to see him on the sand? 
Mm, interesting question. I, I, the reports coming out of Russia is that we're gonna we're gonna see him for a bit longer on the sand. You know, he's he's not really slowing down, is he? He's 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 still contributing to the game, still playing for the Russian national team. And it wouldn't be a podcast if we didn't mention Majer. So, tell us about Majer. Oh yeah, you must have seen this big big news. It's in the Guinness World Book of Records. The most goals in FIFA Beach Soccer World Cup. Do you know how many goals he's got, Mark? Yes, I do, because you put it on our Google Doc for preparation here. 88 <laughs> goals he's got. 88 goals in a Beach Soccer oh, World Cup. Oh, that's cheating. Another bit of trivia on, on that story. Do you know who he scored his 88th goal against? Um, it was back in Paraguay, 2019. I would say... Nigeria. Well done, Mark. That bit actually wasn't in our Google Doc, so well done. Thank you very much. And as Beach... News from the spiritual home of beach soccer. Of course, that's Brazil. And Vasco da Gama have won their third title by beating São Paulo Coia on penalties in a really tight final on the beaches of Rio de Janeiro. Datinha, captain of the runners-up, he was named best player, whilst he had to share top scorer award with fellow Brazilian international Lucao. Both players finished on 11 goals for the tournament. Another Brazilian international, Rafa Pedia, he won best goalkeeper, and that famous old club from Rio, Vasco da Gama, with another title to add to their name. Just a week or so before that was the women's competition. Vasco, they made the final in that one too, but they fell at the final hurdle, beaten by Flamengo, who had big-name internationals on their roster, such as Barbara Colodetti, and previous nominee for best player, Lele Vilar. Two of the historic big names in Brazilian football, stroke beach soccer, continue that run of success. Soccer continues to develop. One thing I spotted on the website this week, to go alongside the permanent stadium in the Bahamas and in Paraguay, Moldova now have their own permanent venue. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen the video, but it looks really, really cool. And personally, I can't wait to go and test out the facilities and see the first beach soccer tournament there. And it often seems when a smaller country like Moldova takes beach soccer seriously, invests in it a little bit, they can be ultra successful. You just have to look at the likes of Tahiti. And uh, yeah, I'm sure we can expect big things from, from what, what has been up until recently, a relatively small beach soccer nation. I don't think they'll mind us saying, but you know, great things to come from them. So that's your beach soccer news for the last month or so in one neat package. Time to welcome to the show a man who's been there and done it when it comes to beach soccer. He scored one of the most fantastic goals I think I've ever seen against China on a beach in Cascais in Portugal. He chipped the keeper from what was it, Nick? Round about 10, 10 metres away. It's, it's Nick Pereira, everybody, by the way. Yeah, it was a tough angle. It was off to the side. It was probably, yeah, 10, 12 metres out. I mean, that's, that, that type of goal is so rare in beach soccer. We saw one of the Martins twins. I can never tell them apart. One of the Martins twins scored one indoors in Moscow earlier on this year. But how many times do you attempt that and how often does it come off? Yeah, I think that that's definitely the, the, the them actually going in is definitely the exception. They usually do not. And usually you've got that, that look like a cake smashed on your head look or egg in the face look um, because it doesn't work and the keeper usually catches it and chucks it down the field. So it's never quite as cool as it looks when it goes in. But when it goes in, it is probably the most beautiful feeling. Yeah, it was wonderful. And the funniest part was I had my bench behind me. So, uh, you know, the goalkeeper was getting ready. The referee was putting him on the line. And I was leaning back, having a conversation with my coach and my players. I'm saying, I think I can chip it. And they're like, yeah, give it a go, give it a go. Hey, whatever, we're up. If, I, if it doesn't work, it's okay. And so I, I kind of leaned back in and, and tried. It was, it was definitely a, a memorable goal, yeah. Is that your favourite in beach soccer? 
You know, I think that actually uh, the bicycle kick I scored in Dubai against Russia would probably have to be up there as the best or my favorite goal. How is it with the USA Beach Soccer? Because individually, you've got some players there that can compete with the very best, with the Brazilians, with the Russians, etc. But as a team, you're kind of realistically out on a limb a little bit. You're away from South America, and of course, you're away from the Euro Beach Soccer League. How far away do you think you are as a team from really competing? It's a good question. I think we've always been able to take the best teams to a really tough game. Uh, you know, in the World Cup, we, we narrowly lost to Japan and Japan when ended up, I mean, this last World Cup in 19, Japan ended up going almost all the way. You know, that tournament that we were discussing with China, we, we lost to Portugal 6-5, I believe, uh, and we had a chance with 15 seconds to go. And then, but we always end up losing those games. So we're always good enough to get them to really give us a top match and take them all the way but we don't end up quite ever jumping that hurdle. Uh, we beat Japan and Hungary two years ago in Dubai. We went on and beat UAE. We went and beat Spain. So we've definitely got some scalps on our, on our, uh, on our list, but um, overall, I think we're a step away from the teams that get to compete 40, 50 times a, a year. Is that what it's going to take more competition for you or do you need more players or fresher players? What is it you need? I think it's a chicken and the egg conversation, to be honest with you. I think that, uh, it's hard to know, but I think that my 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 bet would be that if we had 40 to 50 matches a year, the level of players we could attract and retain would be significantly higher because there's more opportunities, more events, more pay, more things. Um, but, you know, just to give you reference points, in the time that I've been with the U.S. national team, which has been uh, since 2011, so this is nine years now, I think I've gotten 78 caps. Um, and you, you compare that with somebody like, Antonio for Spain, who started the same year I did, I think he's a well over 400 caps. So just in terms of uh, to understand kind of how challenging it is and where the where the where the gap is, uh, you play 400 professional matches in a beach soccer career, you're, you're going to get better. If you only get, you know, whatever the average is of that is, you know, eight, eight and a half a, a year, it's going to be difficult. In terms of uh, what you've done with beach soccer, you've been around the world, you've played in a few different places and... You know, California is the home of beach soccer. I kind of imagine it. You're like a surfer, where you're not you're not chasing a perfect wave, you're chasing the perfect goal on the perfect beach. Is that is that how it feels sometimes? You know, it, it does feel a little bit like a wandering nomad. You know, I feel like I'm trying to find out places that they care about the sport or they care about sport in general as much as I do. Uh, you know, I, I can tell you when I went to Italy, the way they live beach soccer is. Uh, is, is absolutely top. I mean, for them, it's it's a full sport in itself. It deserves full mention, and they they absolutely live and, and breathe it. So um, that was really enjoyable for me. And and then every national team tournament we have, I feel like it's a personal quest of mine and with our team to prove ourselves. So it's actually quite uh, philosophically charging. You know, you get to go and say, I'm going to go prove myself to this country who has no idea who I am or who we are. Yeah, I just feel like I'm out there trying to find the next the next big beach soccer game. I, I went, like I said, I went to Italy and I trained under Emiliano Del Duca, who's the head coach for Italy now, and he's absolutely fantastic. I mean, fantastic, top notch, professional, like you're training with Juve. What well, what is it about a coach like Del Duca or Gilberto or Strinzi? What what is their attention to detail? What is it that makes them stand out? I think it was more of the organizational detail, the administrative side of their sessions. Everything that we were going to cover on the game day was covered in training day in day out. So you never got to a, to a match and thought to yourself, if this scenario pops up, what are my responsibilities? Who's going here? What happens there? 
uh, it was all addressed tenfold in training. Um, you know, and, and a lot of game-like sequences, matches, 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 stop, let's fix. And and I just remember with, with De Luca, we had a, a physical trainer um, that the format of the session was, you know, the coach would give you your entry discussion. Here's what we're going to do today. And then he'd send you off with uh, with our athlete, with the athletic trainer or the, the physical, whatever they wanted to call him. And he would just absolutely run you to the floor for about 30 minutes. And it was all technical. It wasn't sprinting. It was juggle here, juggle there, obstacle course, under, over, under, over with the ball. And uh, and you got to the session that was the tactical part and your legs were really burning. And I just remember that your brain, your brain, there's a conscious decision. Am I going to tune in and really pay attention to this and absorb this? Or am I too tired? And I just remember that struggle being super real for me and just being me being so eager to soak up all the, the, the knowledge. I just remember tuning in completely and feeling like I was hitting waves of knowledge were smashing over my head. So um, it's just, it's just uh, from the second you walk on the field to the second you leave, it's prepared, it's organized. There's no in-between. I think when you listen to Guardiola and Klopp and all the top managers speak, they tell you that players are really, really smart and you have to know all the answers before they ask you the questions. And so I just felt like with Del Duca, especially, he had all the answers. There was nothing I could ask him that he wasn't going to be prepared for. I mean, there was one time I spoke to him and we talked about why he swaps goalkeepers on penalties and free kicks. And he says the reason they do it is because the player looks down, obviously, to place the ball and set it and everything else. And at that moment, he makes the two keepers one sprint on, one sprint off, full pelt. And so when the player looks up, he looks and it might put him off slightly because he says, hold on. There was a blonding goal two seconds ago and now he's got brown hair and he, they're not quite prepared for it. That, that does show a real level of detail, doesn't it? Yeah, we were sitting in the World Cup uh, this last uh, you know, November, a year ago, and uh, Italy were playing and they went to, there was a free kick and it was, a, it was an obscure free kick from the half field and their goalkeeper coach was yelling out to the goalkeeper which way he was going to shoot and was he going to use the inside of his foot or his laces? Every single free kick, penalty, everything. There was a dialogue between the goalkeeper's coach in the stands and the goalkeeper. And I asked the goalie, because I speak Italian, the goalkeeper coach after, I said, are you guessing? Because there's no way that you have profiled every single player at this tournament. And he goes, no, I've watched every single player at this tournament. Um, and I know whether they shoot it with the inside, whether they curl it, whether they go laces, whether they go underneath the goalie, over the goalie. I know all of them. And I said, no, you don't. I go, what's mine? And he goes, Oh, you go inside of the foot, you curl this way. You try. And I was like, Oh, okay. So they had profiled every single player that they were potentially going to face. Um, and he had a, a mental database of inside of the foot laces up down. And the goalkeepers were just relying on the expertise of their goalkeeper coach. It was amazing. And if you ever play Italy, you are never taking a free kick. Like you just never. said, <laughs> well, I think anybody who takes him, unless he's a first year player is going to have profiled somewhere. That's the crazy part that level of detail yeah i mean i think that's the difference right i think that, that when, I, when i tell you that there's some teams that are unattainable unattainable and there's teams that are kind of in that middle pack i think that what the real difference is the administrative and staffing side it's it, it's great having a goalkeeper coach it's great having this but if it's not their full-time employee if they don't have the, the the financial means to do it every single day i think the attention to detail is going to be waning right i mean it's not possible to to give something your full expertise and your full time if it's not your full-time job so you look at nations who have full-time goalkeeper coaches, full-time head coaches, full-time assistant coaches who can go scouting, who can watch players, who can identify youth, who have a U18, U20 program. Those teams are going to always stay ahead of the curve. And the teams that don't are going to always be behind it. And that's just the reality until we level the playing fields a bit. And, and I've been uh, doing this for nine years. 
I'm still waiting for one of those for those uh, <laughs> those playing grounds to be level. Well, thank you, Nick. An amazing insight there into behind the scenes of beach soccer. Thanks for having me, Mark. It's a pleasure. Much travelled beach soccer player Nick Pereira of the United States beach soccer team. Yeah, we go from one American to another, as this is the story of US international beach soccer player Lauren Leslie, who had planned to go to the Euro Winners' Cup to compete with new team Brussels from Belgium. Obviously, everyone who went had to provide a negative COVID test. I had to do that myself. But Lauren, having flown all the way from California to Boston to change for Portugal, received the news that she'd tested positive for COVID. Now, she was absolutely sure that she didn't have COVID, so she was running around Boston trying to get that second test, and eventually she was confirmed as negative. But it was too little too late, as the competition was in full swing, and by the time a negative test came back, she'd already missed her flight. I caught up with Lauren to see how she turned disappointment into opportunity. It was probably one of the biggest disappointments of my life. It was really just an obstacle that I had to overcome and I had to make something of it. The drive home was about 3,500 miles from the East Coast to the West Coast. I kind of started to plan what national parks I wanted to see, what cities I wanted to go to, what states have I never been to, and even some people that I could visit along the way. You know, I got to go on a run in Niagara Falls, which was absolutely beautiful. Um, I got to go on a hike in Zion National Park in Utah, which is also just breathtaking. I got to stay two nights in Colorado, which I am now considering moving to Colorado because I loved it that much. It kind of reminds me of a quote that I really like, and it says, being challenged in life is inevitable. Being defeated is optional. U.S. Beach Soccer International, Lauren Leslie there. Hopefully, we'll see you at the Euro Winners' Cup next year. And that's just about it from Santo, the Beach Soccer Podcast. And we'll be back next month with a review of 2020 and some more amazing interviews and, of course, the latest news from across the beach soccer world. Yeah, still plenty to talk about, despite the fact it was a truncated 2020. We had the Monday Alito. We had, of course, the Euro Winners' Cup. And we even managed to fit in the finals of the Euro Beach Soccer League. Please remember to rate and subscribe. And while you're at it, you might as well follow Beach Soccer Worldwide on social media if you don't already. Lots of interesting content on there. Every day... Done by that man there I'm pointing at right now. Search Beach Soccer Worldwide and you'll find us there. And we'll catch you next month for our Christmas special. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.